as you may have noticed, the Covert Narcissism podcast has a new look. Well, kind of a new sound. You know, it's better sound, a studio recording. I'm sitting in front of a mic and lights and, and a camera. And, and my producer came to me and, okay, yes, those words actually just came out of my mouth. I have a producer. What? I've never had a producer in my life. This is crazy. But he came to me and he said, hey, you should charge for a second episode each week, you know, to help cover these costs, like a, a bonus episode, a patron program. And I went, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not in my heart to charge for these episodes. I just, I can't. This is my mission. I want to scream it from the rooftops and spread the word about covert narcissism. So I told him, I said, look, we just, we got to find a different way. So you've probably noticed some small ads now in the podcast, and I really, truly want to keep this to a minimum. And if you feel like you need to skip over the ads, you know, that's okay. Just do. I've done that myself in podcasts that I listen to, but you know, my attitude about it's actually changing. And now I'm starting to listen to them because every little bit helps with these costs. And so I do want to support these podcasters I'm listening to. And that's just a small way that I can. But if you need to skip over them, do. It's okay. So instead of charging for a second episode, we're going to open up donations. So if you are finding value in this and you can contribute to our cause, please join us. And as you do, I want to reward you. I, I want to thank you for your, your commitment, for this monthly donation, uh, whatever you're comfortable with. It can be small. That's fine. Whatever you can do for whatever length of time, there's no obligation here. But I want to include you in this mission. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm working on a book and the title of the book is still in the works, but the title I'm liking right now is Grasping Covert Narcissism, subtitled Catching a Ghost. And if you can donate to our cause, I'm going to send you the first chapter of this book. I want you to read it. I want you to rip it apart and give me some feedback. To donate, just go to the top of the link at the show notes. It's nice and easy, and it's greatly appreciated. You all are a part of my journey, so please join me if you can. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. I came home one night to a completely dark house to find my 37-year-old husband sitting in a dark room crying. And I thought, oh my gosh, something's wrong. Did, did someone die? What has happened? Only to find out that he's sitting in this dark room, dark house, crying because he got his feelings hurt. What? The more we talked, the more I realized, okay, something really is wrong here. But it wasn't what I thought. This was a narcissistic collapse. And I had no idea what just happened. When I met my husband, I thought I had found my soulmate, my perfect partner, my knight in shining armor. He was everything I had wanted. Too good to be true. Boy, do I ever need to think about that phrase. Of course, now I know to watch out for that. But learning that valuable lesson, boy, that came at a high price. 21 years of emotional and psychological abuse, wiping away my self-confidence one swipe at a time. 
Looking back, we were not far into that marriage when my belief in myself, my thoughts, and my feelings started to erode. They were taking regular shots from him. But I didn't realize it at the time. His words were the ones that mattered. He was the expert on everything, so I just listened to him. As long as he said that everything was okay, then everything was okay. If he said that something was a problem, then it was a problem. His words mattered, not mine. My confidence was gradually disappearing. While he never appeared to suffer from self-doubt, he believed in his own thoughts and feelings, and he seemed so secure in that. Insecurity was my problem, not his. However, 21 years later, I had come to realize that the complete opposite of this was true. I saw my husband go through horrible periods of collapse when his image was shaken or disrupted. Things that regular people face and deal with calmly caused complete meltdowns in him. He wasn't the secure person that I believed he was. And in fact, insecurity was his problem. Not mine, but it certainly rubbed off on me. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and today we are talking about narcissistic collapse. You see, narcissists portray this image to the world that they never suffer from self-doubt, that they have it all together, that everything they say is not only true, but also eye-opening and revolutionary. They carry a sense of confidence, either openly and arrogantly, or more passively and subtly. But reality is the complete opposite. Narcissists battle with a very unstable self-esteem. They carry this deep and heavily guarded sense of shame and worthlessness. And they are protecting this at all costs, hiding it from the world. This is why they go through life so defensively. They have to prove to everyone that they are valuable, that they're of worth because they are not capable of validating their own worth. It has to come from outside of them. Because of this depth, the depth of their internal insecurities, it requires that they be right all of the time and about everything. They rely completely on others to give them external validation, making them feel special and thus secure. Well, an overt narcissist, they rely on the world. They gather external validation from lots of people. In fact, from anyone who comes into contact with them, friends or strangers. But not a covert narcissist. A covert narcissist, they focus on one individual for all of their external validation. This one person becomes their target, their special person, their sole source of supply. That's the life I lived. This single person has quite a task ahead of them. It is their job to keep this covert narcissist feeling special, validated, and important. Narcissists thrive on their image, so this one special person has a full-time job of upholding the image that the narcissist is presenting to the world. This is the image that they are a wonderful spouse, an amazing parent, a hard worker, the smartest and funniest person in the room always. This means that you have to be the first person, and sometimes you're the only person, to laugh at their ridiculous jokes. 
You must be attentive to their great wisdom and go along with whatever they say. You must be quick with the excuses whenever they do something that can be perceived as less than wonderful and perfect. Narcissistic people need constant external validation. They need it just to be able to function in the world properly. They need it to even be able to interact with people in a relatively normal way. Even the smallest disruption in their narcissistic supply shakes their already incredibly fragile self-esteem, leading to this thing called narcissistic collapse. And we're going to talk about this. Narcissistic people cannot handle the world seeing them as anything less than perfect. And, and their image, or, or at least their image of perfect, and, and it's extremely warped and it's constantly moving. We talk about the constantly moving the, the goalpost. The very thought that someone sees the tiniest flaw in them can easily send them into a defensive rage or a full-blown victim mode. So what is this image of perfect? It's the grand things of, you know, supreme provider and protector, as well as these little tiny things as the best I don't know, the best TV show picker or the best driver in finding the quickest route, though it cuts, you know, a minute off. But, but even these little things, they have to be seen as being so great and wonderful. And so you, as the ultimate provider of their emotional validation, must constantly admire their greatness and uphold this image that they are perfect, you know, the perfect expert in all things. But what if you don't? What if you quit validating them? What if you quit admiring them? Well, what happens then? Their image crashes. So let's go back to that night that I found him crying in a dark room. What happened that night? Well, during our marriage, at least until he quit, we were training in Taekwondo together. And on the night of our 10th wedding anniversary, we had a sparring class and we decided to go. We decided we would celebrate our anniversary on a different night. And so we went to class. Well, it's a sparring class. And in this class, in the middle of, you know, the sparring, he apparently got hit harder than he wanted to get hit by one of our adult black belt guys. And, and there was a punch, you know, that punched him in the helmet and he, he lost it. He got, uh, he just, he took his helmet, he throws it on the ground and, and he stormed off the, off the mats, like, like a little kid throwing a temper tantrum all the while. And I, I see this, I saw him throw his helmet. I, and I'm looking now, everybody's looking now to see what's going on as he's walking off. This adult black belt is following him going, Hey, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. You know, was that, are, are you okay? And, and my husband never even acknowledged him. Never turned around, never said anything, never acknowledged him, never acknowledged the instructor on the floor, a fourth degree black belt who's been our instructor from day one, never even acknowledges him, walks into the back changing room, changes his clothes, and leaves the building. Never says a single word to anyone with, with multiple people following along behind him going, hey, are you okay here? Never even turns around. He leaves. So when I go home, I was absolutely shocked by what I found. I stayed and had finished class and, in fact, spent a little time talking after class and, and people were concerned and they were like, you know, hey, we're you know, sorry that that happened and all of this. So I was probably about 45 minutes behind him. And when I came in the house, I didn't know where he was. Our boys were in their rooms and they were, they were playing, so I just told him, hey, go get ready for bed. But the rest of the house was totally 
dark. And then I heard crying noises, audible crying noises. What? He was sitting upstairs in our loft in the dark, crying. Just sitting there, crying. I was really shocked by this. I'd never seen this before. And I actually wondered, did something happen? Did you get a phone call, you know, on the way home? Somebody's died. What's going on? No. He was crying because of what happened back at the taekwondo school. I could not even comprehend this. In fact, I was so shocked that later I didn't even really remember what all was said. And I know he talked about how hurt he was. And I said, okay, from, from the punch, did it, did it physically? Are you, are you physically hurt? No. No, I'm not physically hurt. No one cares about my feelings. Those were his words. What? Everyone was trying to talk to him to see if he was okay. Every one of us was trying to just take a minute and talk to him. No one cares about my feelings. He was crushed that I didn't go to him and make sure he was okay. I was one of the ones following him, trying to talk to him. But he was crushed that I didn't give him enough attention. He was crushed that I didn't immediately run out the door with him. Clearly, I don't care about his feelings. And he wasn't sure he could ever go back now to the taekwondo school. I was stunned. I didn't know anything about narcissism at this time. But I knew something was not right here. This was not normal behavior for a full-grown adult. Who does this? This was a narcissistic collapse, and I had no idea. Looking back, I think this was the beginning of my journey towards healing. Now, it still took a long time, I'm going to tell you. I didn't begin my research right then, but I certainly started wondering, what's wrong here? But, you know, being the hard worker and the fixer that I am, my approach was to simply dig in and to help him even more. So it still took a while for my eyes to truly get open. So when does a narcissistic collapse happen? It happens when they feel neglected, humiliated, confronted, when they don't feel like they're getting the recognition and attention that they deserve, or at least they don't feel like they're getting enough of it, or it doesn't have the right color or the right look, like whatever. It doesn't fit their image of what they are expecting in this world. So what is a narcissistic collapse? It's when this person, a narcissistic person, does not receive that external validation that they believe they should, and it results in an extreme level of emotional stress and pain inside of them. This leads to narcissistic rage, whether it comes out openly or silently, and, and it's when this narcissistic person, they cannot maintain their superior and always right image. That image crashes. And so it's a self-protection mode that they go into when, the, when this image is threatened. Basically, let's put it in simpler terms, they're throwing a tantrum. This can come out loud and explosive, or it can be silent and passive. You picture the toddler who's screaming, banging their fist on the floor, or, you know, the toddler who sits in the corner all red-faced and tries to hold their breath so that people will, you know, Come and pay attention to them. Both of these are attention-seeking behaviors. Well, what collapsed? What collapses in a, in a narcissistic collapse? Their fantasy world. Their own world revolves around them, with everyone giving them all of the attention and with them being this great and wonderful person. They act out because the sense of identity was threatened and maybe even broken. They have built this fragile fantasy world 
to mask their lack of identity and their lack, you know, sense of self and sense of worth. And without this world, they cannot function. The collapse is their attempt to regain control of this world. So let's go through some signs of a narcissistic collapse. One is acting out. Now, this can show up in various forms. They never learn to communicate their emotions in a healthy way. So it can show up as the two-year-old throwing the temper tantrum, like I said, or it can show up as the withdrawn teenager isolating in their room. Their twisted approach is to create a big enough problem that you will dig in and fix it all again and do whatever they want. When this happens, then they become charming again. Magically, all the trouble goes away. It's like an, uh, an abuse amnesia that just, it just disappears if you allow it to. So you've got to play a part, uh, a part in this charade as well. Another sign of the narcissistic collapse is impulsivity. Narcissists are already prone to impulsive behavior. However, narcissistic rage can certainly magnify this tendency. This can include reckless and risky behaviors. Many believe that this is their attempt to distract themselves from that dark side that's within them. Their own lack of empathy certainly interferes with their ability to see how these behaviors affect those around them, those that love and care about them. Another sign of a narcissistic collapse is withdrawal. Now, this tends to be the reaction more of a covert narcissist than the overt narcissist. The impulse of risky behaviors tend to fall more under the overt narcissist whereas the coverts tend to withdraw, sit in the corner and cry, but cry audibly to make sure that everybody, you know, make sure you, their special person, you know, notices, and then you come and be their rescuer. It's attention-seeking, seeking your attention. They may show signs of self-harm. They may even talk about self-harm. Their passive aggressiveness shows up as they make sure that that pain, their pain is so obvious and visible to you sitting in the same room to show this, you know, great sign of hurt. My husband one time laid in the middle of the kitchen floor one night while I'm cooking dinner to show how hurt he was by, by what had happened. I had to step over him just to continue making dinner. They become the ultimate victim. It can play out as depression. They can sink into this pit of self-hatred. And this can last for a long time. It might just be a few hours. But really, honestly, this can go on for days, weeks, and months. They become overly numb and just checked out, hopeless, detached from the world, kind of indifferent to just what's going on. This can be gaslighting. They may, you know, center this on you, telling you that you're the one that caused the suffering. When this happened at the Taekwondo school, he flipped it around and told me, you know, well, you didn't fix this for me. What? When is it my job to start fixing this? So, of course, being the fixer I am, did I dig in? Yes, I dug in and fixed it all. No more. It can come out as a mental breakdown. They may become so highly distressed that you become fearful that they would hurt you or hurt themselves. This rage, this anger to them feels safer than the shame and worthlessness that they're so afraid of. So anger easily becomes their default emotion. Like I said, it, it's less painful for them than facing their own vulnerability. So anger, this, this primal basic emotion, it comes out when they cannot access the more subtle emotions such as, you know, disappointment or disrespected or frustrated. These are the more subtle emotions that, that 
healthier people process. But when they can't process them, anger being the primal basic emotion that it is, is what comes out instead. For an overt narcissist, this can get quite hostile and scary. So please seek professional help you know, from, from people around you if this is what's going on in your world. For a covert narcissist, it usually comes out more as a silent rage, that rage that's a very passive wrath that just sits under the surface waiting for little pricks to happen. Either way, when a narcissist feels defeated, they have nothing to lose, and it can cause things to turn in a dangerous direction. So please do not hesitate to reach out for the professionals for help if you are in the midst of a narcissistic collapse. Walk away if you can, but if you cannot, please have a plan in place to get the help that you need. Another sign of a narcissistic collapse is excessive complaining. For the narcissistic person, the world's now against them. They see everyone and everything is being out to get them and they will complain endlessly that life is not fair. Nothing is fair. They see everything as a personal attack plotted just to take them down or to make them look bad. They become more irritable and even go so far as to verbalize hatred toward people that they once loved or that they do love, people that are playing a caring part in their lives. They will lash out at their character and say things that are incredibly mean about these people that they love and seemingly care about. Vindictiveness is a huge part of this. They love to get even or to teach someone a lesson. They can set themselves on a path of revenge and become obsessed with it. Even baiting, they'll push you to that very edge, waiting for you to lose control as a way for them to feel in control again. All of this is a way for them to, to regain control of their world. You know, when you react or lose it on them, they actually can seem happy again because their fantasy world is restored. Can narcissists recover from a collapse? They can regain their sense of false self again. I will tell you that. They can return to their fantasy world again. That's their recovery. Everything is okay once their fantasy world is back. They're back on their throne, the center of their universe. For you, it does bring the relationship back to this strange neutral ground. I've lived in that strange neutral ground for years. A place where everything kind of is sort of okay, as long as I allow it to be. And it's okay until it's not. And it's always going to not be okay again. It's always going to come back. So what about you? What's the effect of this collapse on you? Experiencing narcissistic collapse is quite emotionally damaging to those closest to them. It leaves a wake of destruction, and the narcissistic person does not even seem to be aware of this at all. If they are aware of it, they certainly do not have empathy about it. This collapse leaves you feeling responsible for their feelings. I should have done something more to help. I should have seen it coming, whatever. You guys have heard all the excuses. Narcissistic people partner up with compassionate people way more often than not. And this makes sense. They need someone to care for these hurt feelings because they certainly can't do it themselves. They got to have somebody who's going to take care of these feelings. Someone to come that makes, comes and makes it all better for them. So we do. We pour so much care and energy into this person, and yet it's never enough. So what about you? You're exhausted. If you are living through these cycles of narcissistic collapse, please 
Start setting some boundaries for yourself. Boundaries are not for the other person. Do not give a narcissistic person a boundary. You just gave them a challenge. It's game on. The boundaries are for you. These are boundaries such as I will not take responsibility for their feelings. It is not my job to fix this for them. I will not overvalue my impact in their life. I will not overshare my own feelings with them. I can offer compassion without taking on the blame. These boundaries will help you to regain your own sense of self. It is time for all of us to separate our own identities out from this enmeshment with a black hole that's just sucking the life out of anyone who gets too close. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.